Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the show, everybody, and thank you all for tuning in. Before we start today's show, I want to say thank you to all of our newest supporters, Johnny, Pam, Lobalug, and Casey. We truly appreciate your generosity. If you're interested in supporting what we do here, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash paranormal mysteries, or head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash paranormal where you can make a simple one-time donation. And of course, subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends is one of the best ways to show your support, and we appreciate it. And now, let's get ready and start the show. Welcome to the show once again, everyone, and as always, I am your host, Nick Ryan. Today, we have six listener stories that I think you all will enjoy hearing, so let's get into it. Today's first story comes to us from Annalisa. Annalisa says, Nick, the story I'm about to share has been brewing in my mind for several months. I've been dying to tell the story of what happened to my brother in our childhood home. I just wanted to make sure that the story was told right. I guess now is the time. The event I'm about to recount took place in a border town in South Texas. Our neighborhood has a highway marker indicating that Mexico is a mere two miles to the south. Mexican-American culture is riddled with folklore and superstitions. All of my friends and cousins grew up on the stories, and I'm sorry if I butcher these names, La Mano Pachona, La Cosa Mala, El Cuque, and the ever-infamous La Llorona, all of which have an infinite number of variations, depending on who you hear the stories from. However, I have no name for what this thing was. The house we grew up in had a history before we even moved in. The previous owner was a man named Mr. Santa Maria, and he even had his own bakery next to the house. Every morning when my dad was a kid, he and his sisters could hear pots and pans clanging at about 5 a.m. in the morning as he prepared his ovens to bake dozens upon dozens of loaves of Mexican sweetbread. One day, Mr. Santa Maria got sick. It was terminal. In our Mexican-American culture, it is customary to open the home to friends and relatives who wish to say their final goodbyes as a person is on the precipice of death. Once alerted that a person is in their final hours, the house transforms into a waiting room for the community, with living rooms full of gossiping women, all holding their breath. This was the case when Mr. Santa Maria died. However, his death was one that no one spoke about for many years. I mean, we're all for passing down folklore and urban legends, 
but when something happens in a house full of witnesses, I guess we think it better to stay silent and pretend like it never happened so we don't have to question our upturned perception of reality. As Mr. Santa Maria drew his final breath, a pot of menudo was brewing on the stove. It was his favorite meal, a soup comprised of beef tripe, hominy, and spices, making it look like the chunks are floating in a bowl of blood. Now, if you've ever known a friend or relative who passed away from cancer, then you know the process is not pretty. In the days leading toward death, they're incapacitated and unable to communicate. So, you might understand why a wave of shock stunned everyone in the house as Mr. Santa Maria marched into the kitchen to serve himself a bowl of menudo after the Justice of the Peace had just signed his death certificate. Mr. Santa Maria looked around, according to my grandmother who's never uttered a lie, and asked, Why is everyone crying? Mouths agape, not a single person responded. He finished his meal and walked back into his room, where he had been laid out with a white sheet over his face. After a few seconds, once the shock had somewhat dissipated, his wife walked into the room to find him stone cold, with his face covered by that white sheet. This was the house my father purchased not long after that day, the house where my brother and I grew up, and the house where it happened. Although the original house was demolished, we rebuilt our home on the same foundation. The area of the house where Mr. Santa Maria died became my childhood room, and eventually it was passed down to my brother in adolescence. Growing up in that house, we were well acquainted with the paranormal, but we never gave it much thought. In our minds, we could rationalize all the times we had heard cardboard boxes come crashing down in the living room when we had none. We blamed the cats for overturning the dish rack and spilling all the cutlery on the floor, although the dish rack was just fine and there was nothing on the floor. We blamed the neighbors for the music box that we'd heard at 7 a.m. on some mornings, even though there was no way the sound of those soft mechanical chimes could be heard that far away. Eventually, I moved out, and it was just my mom and my brother who inhabited the house at that point. I was out of state, studying in New York, when my brother told me what had happened over the phone. When he came to visit, he told me again, and when I moved back, I had him tell it to me all over, and before I began typing this, he told me one more time. I was sleeping in my bed, he begins. My head was positioned with the back of my head facing the door and my feet pointing toward the wall. His bed had been in this position as far back as I can remember, so it wasn't like he'd recently rearranged anything. It must have been the middle of the night when I opened my eyes, he continued, only to see a plume of smoke rising out from under my bed. I thought the house was on fire, and that's when I realized I couldn't move. I was in a state of total sleep paralysis. The smoke became thicker and darker, from a dull gray to almost black, and it was winding up my right side. That's when I realized that the smoke had a face. Gray, ash, and burned, almost as if the skin had the consistency of a worn clay. It was the most hideous face I'd ever seen, with long, thin strands of black hair. It let out a guttural growl from inside its throat as it snaked towards my face. I couldn't move. I couldn't run. It just stared at me as it got closer and closer. It began to make a guttural hiss as it backed away from my face and ascended towards the ceiling. 
the entire cloud of whatever it was dissipated above my head, and the moment it faded from view, I heard the front door slam. Keep in mind, this is the middle of the night, and the only two people living in that house at the time were my mom and my brother, both of whom were in bed. Eventually, he fell back asleep and woke up in the morning only to reminisce on the awful nightmare he'd had. He kept telling himself it was all a bad dream, until my mom asked him if he had heard the door slam shut in the middle of the night. His heart sank into the pit of his stomach. To this day, he experiences bouts of sleep paralysis in that room, accompanied by strange phenomena, the most recent being just a couple of days ago. In that brief time frame between consciousness and sleep, he heard heavy panting by his head, right next to his bed. We have no idea what that thing was that came from underneath his bed, or if the sleep paralysis and strange happenings are all connected. But it's all happening in the same room, where Mr. Santa Maria woke up. Our next listener story is from Jake. Jake says, Hello. I wanted to start off by saying I love the show. It helps me every day when I'm battling bumper-to-bumper traffic. I listen to the many stories every day, and I decided it was time to share some of mine. So here goes. In 1996, my family and myself moved into our house. The house needed work, and my father was handy, so there was no problem with that. When we had lived in the house, there were no problems. I never got any strange feelings, and to my knowledge, my family didn't either. Everything was going very well. Several years had gone by, and the house started to transform into a beautiful home. Sadly, with all great goings-on in our lives, there were some bad that had struck as well. My uncle, who was 42, had passed away very quickly, and it caught my family by surprise. This was very traumatic for all of us, as we were all very close to my uncle. After his death, within a very short time, I started getting a very eerie feeling. Usually this always came at night. Many nights, I laid awake in my bed and would start to look around my room. As a young kid, I would look at things on my wall or toys near my bed. My eyes one night glanced over by the door. At this time, I slept with my door open. I noticed that the doorway was dark, but as I watched the doorway, it became darker and darker. This scared the heck out of me because I could clearly tell someone was standing in my doorway. I pulled up the blankets to my eyes and watched in fear. No more than a few seconds later, I watched this figure slowly walk away from the door, and the doorway became brighter once again. This happened several times for a while. I never thought much about this until many years later, when we had a family dinner and we began telling stories. Suddenly, my mother mentioned how after my uncle had passed, she felt that he watched over all of us. She mentioned word for word exactly what I had seen, without me mentioning anything. My brother began telling the same thing as well. They both had known and talked about this for years, but did not want to frighten me as I was a young kid at the time. I never was much of a believer about this type of thing, but hearing someone describe exactly what you had seen without mentioning it only confirms. My whole family had seen this dark figure exactly the same. This is one of the many things we have encountered. Thank you for listening, and take care. Jake Our next listener story comes to us from Heather. Heather's story is called Emily 
the Sally doll. Heather says, Dear Nick, I'm excited to be writing this story into you. I've had paranormal experiences my whole life. As a child, I was terrified when I knew something was in my room with me. But in the last few years, I've learned to grow into my own power and stand my ground. I have many stories, but the one I have to share with you happened over the last year and came to an astounding climax the night before Halloween of this year. I first need to give you a short background story. I moved back to Florida with my husband in 2019. We ended up being roommates with a friend and his female friend. For the sake of this story, we'll call her Jenna. Jenna and I became friends very quickly. We both were into the paranormal, and we both loved all things spooky. We would hang out watching movies and going out all the time, and we still do. One day last year, we went to several antique stores together. Jenna is a medium. She can see spirits at times. She can sometimes communicate with them, and she can sense the energy in items. In the antique store, she was trying to teach me how to sense energy in objects. I can sense spirits, and sometimes sense their energies. We passed by this glass case, and she said she felt strong energy coming from it, but didn't see the object. Later, as we were walking back by the case again, she caught sight of a small plastic Sally doll. The Sally, from the Nightmare Before Christmas movie. She loves the Nightmare Before Christmas, and she knew there was no way she would have missed that the first time, especially when she picked up the doll and sensed that the energy calling her earlier was from this doll. She asked the store owner if she had just placed this doll in the case, and the store owner said no. She said the doll had been there for a while, even though we didn't see her the first time. We asked how much the doll was, and the lady told us not to worry about it, and that we could just take her. We thanked her, and left. In the car, Jenna was sensing so much energy from this doll, she started focusing on her and asking her questions. She got small answers here and there. Jenna said that when she would ask certain questions, she would sometimes get responses in her mind that were not her own. The doll told her that her name was Emily. She told her she was six years old, and she couldn't find her mommy. Over the course of a few days, Jenna told me that the doll had told her that her house had caught on fire, and she got lost and couldn't find her way. I assume that Emily, the spirit in the doll, knows that she isn't alive in human form anymore. Jenna kept this doll and took her places with her sometimes, to work, on trips, etc. She would ask the doll if she wanted to come with her, and she would say yes. Jenna and I would discuss the spirit and the doll, and I worried that it could be another type of entity inside the doll pretending to be a little girl in order to attach itself to Jenna. Jenna told me that she didn't sense any negative energy coming from the doll, but would have her aunt examine the doll. Jenna's aunt is a medium and owns a metaphysical shop and lounge. Mediumship runs through Jenna's family. Fast forward to Friday night, the night before Halloween. Jenna and I decide to come to a Gathering of Spirits event that her aunt is hosting. To be more specific, it is a seance. Neither of us had ever done it before, and as a medium and someone who can sense energies at times, Jenna and I decided it would be a good learning experience. Before the seance started, Jenna told her aunt that she had the doll and asked if she should bring her into the seance. Her aunt said no and put the doll into the office to examine afterwards. At this point, 
Jenna had not told her aunt or anyone else in the room about the energy or the communication that she's received from the doll. This is important to remember. We go into this large room with a table and chairs set up for the seance. There were about ten people. Jenna's aunt had a special guest to help her conduct the seance. This person is a medium as well. Let's call her Gwyn. Gwyn led us through a meditation to help us open up to the spirits in the room and asked that we call out to whoever we would like to communicate with and ask that they come through the mediums there. They got many spirits that came through, but none were as strong as this one. Gwyn started breathing heavily, and she let us know that someone was trying to come through using her. She burst into tears and said, I'm lost, and I can't find my way. Jenna's aunt then says, We're here to help you. What's your name? Gwyn, still in tears, replies, My name is Emily. I can't find my mommy. At that point, me and Jenna look at each other in shock. Jenna's aunt says, Don't cry, Emily. I'm going to help you, okay? How old are you? Gwyn replies, I'm six, while still crying heavily. Jenna's aunt then says, I'm going to help you find your way. Can you see a light? Look around. Gwyn says, No, 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 I can't. Jenna's aunt then says, I'm going to help you cross over. Gwyn then replies, Can I bring my doll? Jenna and I just stare at each other in disbelief. Jenna's aunt then says, Yes, you can bring her. Jenna's aunt starts concentrating, trying to move the spirit communicating through Gwyn on. Right then, Gwyn looks up and says, She left, wiping her face and tears. I think she left before you finished crossing her over. Right then, Jenna and I start telling her that it was the Sally doll that came through. Emily was the spirit in the doll that came through Gwyn. She tells Jenna to go get the doll, and Jenna's aunt holds it and meditates on her for a few moments before confirming to us that it was her. We then ask what we should do next, and also how we knew that the spirit saying she is Emily isn't another spirit pretending to be a little girl. Gwyn looks over and tells us that she felt Emily and that the emotions she felt from her were real. Jenna's aunt tells us that it really is a little girl and that Jenna should take care of the doll for now and form more of a relationship with the spirit so that when the time is right, Jenna can help the spirit cross over and the spirit will feel comfortable doing so with Jenna's help. This was the most amazing spirit communication I've ever witnessed. Jenna has the doll and is now forming a closer relationship with her in the hopes that she will be able to see her at some point instead of just feeling her energy. I had a spirit come through me that night as well, but that's another story for another time. I apologize for how long this was, but it was truly an incredible experience. Thank you for giving me a space to share this, as most people would never be so open to hear a story like this. I wish you the best. Heather Our next listener story comes to us from Caitlin. Caitlin's story is called Inheritance. Caitlin says, Okay, get comfortable, because this might take a moment. For some reason, ever since I was a child, I had been sensitive to a great many things. I could feel people, sense their intentions, and see, hear, and feel things that others couldn't. My mom always said she was sensitive like this too. When I grew up beyond childhood, I had just chalked it up to her just being a great judge of character but that wouldn't explain a number of other experiences that we shared. 
When I was younger, my mother said I always had friends, ones she could not see or hear, but ones she assures me were real. She said that after I would go to sleep, after all my toys were put away, they would somehow arrange themselves, only for me to wake up and become upset with how they were put there. It isn't the right way, I would exclaim. Occurrences like this would happen often, until they started escalating into a lot more than just dolls on the floor. Lights and televisions would turn on and off by themselves in the night. Footsteps, heavy and loud, could be heard on the floor of the trailer. And one night, I swear that I heard a deep growl in my room. The one thing I remember most vividly was a dream I had, or at least I thought it was a dream. A man, tall and pale, stood outside my window. He was large, and his powdery white skin was matched by his white suit and white hair. While I watched him in the window, he paused for a moment. He seemed to fix his gaze on me, behind his thin black glasses, and then went away, into the night. I never told anyone about him. Later on, after living in a few other homes, I had become a collector of odd experiences. In my apartment, at about 14 or 15, the first week my mother and I had moved in, I was reading in my new room. As I lay on my twin bed on my stomach, facing the front of my bed and the open door, the hallway was dark. It became cold and dark suddenly. As I put my book down to get a blanket, I looked into the hall, and I saw a shadow crawling on the floor. It moved from the left to the right in broken and twitchy movements. I was frightened by this. Later on, about a month later, my little cousins told me that they had seen dark things in the hall and in other parts of the apartment. One of my cousins emerged from the corner with scratches and was nearly inconsolable. He would not let anyone touch him. Following this, I asked my mom if we could cleanse the house. We took sage incense and we went through the house with it, letting the smoke curl and fill the rooms. But something strange happened in one part of the house where I saw the shadow. The smoke from the incense turned black and fell to the ground in clumps. It wasn't the ash. It wasn't something that was burned by the heat of the ember. It was the smoke itself. My mother and I looked at each other, neither of us knowing what it meant to have the smoke turn black and solidify like it did. Immediately, she had me sweep away the hardened clumps and said nothing more about it after that. We moved from there. Then, in our new place we kept having the strangest emotional upsets, like mood swings and extreme anger. One night I woke up, and in my doorway stood a figure, the same one from the window. He stood once again, just staring at me, but this time in my house. He had to have been following me and my mom for a very long time, at least a decade. Half of his body was obscured by the doorway, like he was hiding, only allowing the other half of himself to be seen. After that, a whirlwind of upsetting events occurred, and my mother and I seemed to grow farther apart. One night, she brought up a man that she had seen in the alleyway by our new apartment. She said that he wore a white suit, had white hair, and dark glasses. He saw her and stared for a moment, and then departed. She ran him off, shouting things and warding him off. I asked her to draw him on account of her ability to sketch people from memory. When she was finished, she turned the page around, and my heart jumped. It was the exact same man I had seen. No one that I had been around except for my mother had ever seen him. None of my neighbors or friends. No one. 
I don't know what the man is, what the other happenings mean, or if it was all just my imagination. But what I do know is that I have inherited something. Something unexplainable. This stuff can be no joke. So I thank you, fellow believers, fellow empaths, and intuitives. And thank you to all who have stepped up before me to share their experiences. Thank you for listening. Our next story of the night comes from Mira. Mira's story is called Fay Sounds. Mira says, Hi Nick, listener of about a year and a half here. I've been seeing and sensing all kinds of things since I was about five, with my first experience I can remember being a hat man outside in a small field behind the house we lived in, in broad daylight. That was very early 80s. The most recent thing is the apartment that me, my current husband, and my son have been in for almost three years now. We can all hear the sound of wind chimes in the kitchen at any time of the day or night. It stays in the kitchen. All I can tell about it is that it's pretty small, and generally stays in or near the upper cabinets. None of us have actually seen it yet, but we all feel it's there. My question is, what kind of fay could it possibly be? There's never been anything negative from this particular one, although there was a completely different one for a couple of months that annoyed me with its negativity and staring, until I finally had enough. I had previously banished it outside the apartment, and he took up residence outside my bedroom window, until I got tired of him there, and I went outside and made him leave. My husband has had lots of experiences as well, and I know my son is also sensitive. I'm not sure about my daughter, but I've got so many stories that I can and will share with you. Thanks for reading this email, and I hope you can come up with more information than what we've been able to find, which isn't much. Mira. Our last story of the night comes from Angelina. Angelina's story is called My Sister Got Possessed. Angelina says, Hi Nick, I recently discovered your podcast on Spotify and have been hooked. I was debating whether or not to share this experience with you because it is very dark. It spooked me to bring it up once again, but I believe someone will benefit from hearing it and perhaps shed some light on this topic and inspire someone else to share their story. This event took place about a year ago. Please bear in mind that my stepdad was very abusive towards my siblings and I, and the overall atmosphere of our house was gloomy and dismal because of the behavior of my stepdad. He made life miserable for everyone, including my mom, but she worked long hours and wasn't home very often, leaving my siblings and I home alone with him most days. Perhaps this particular demon that was terrorizing me and my siblings in our fragile state could have possibly influenced my stepdad to hurt us the ways that he did. I most certainly have an open mind now and am weighing all of the options, but I will not excuse my stepdad's behavior. Anyway, with that in mind, here's my story. My sister and I share a room. I was 16 at the time, and my sister was 15. We both have twin beds that are parallel to each other. That evening, I had just finished folding some laundry, and I had had my bed covered with clothes. It was already late when I finished folding the laundry, so I decided that I would sleep on the floor and put my clothes away in the morning. I had laid some blankets out on the floor, and I put my pillow down on the carpet when my sister had walked into the room. After she saw my little setup, she laughed and suggested that I bunk up with her for the night rather than sleep on the floor. I agreed, 
and we soon found ourselves asleep in her tiny twin bed. About an hour into falling asleep, I feel this heavy sensation pushing down on my abdomen. Me, being a hormonal teenager, thought, okay, this is a weird period cramp or something, and with that, I dismissed the feeling. Keep in mind, I was laying flat on my back and had part of my blanket covering half of my face. I didn't try to move, for there wasn't anywhere to really move anyway, because my sister took up a lot of space in her small bed. So I just stared up at the ceiling and waited for the feeling to disappear. Then, almost instantly, I felt a long, slender, sharp, and very painful fingernail press into my right cheek. I immediately went into panic mode. This was not a cramp. There was something or someone in my room. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed to the bed and completely helpless. The nail pressed harder into my cheek. It felt as though it had been freshly pierced. I could have sworn there was blood trickling down my face, but because of the way the blanket was covering me, I couldn't see or make out who or what was doing this. In an instant, the pain stopped, and I saw what was terrorizing me. It was right before my eyes, hovering over me, lurking in the shadows of the room. The fear of seeing him was worse than the pain that had just been inflicted on me. I tried to scream out for help, trying to wake up my sister, but my screams were muffled with short breaths and puffs of air. The only way I can describe it is like choking. The tall, dark figure had glowing green eyes and a skinny stature, and he just stared at me. It's like he took delight in watching me struggle in my own skin, unable to move freely or even breathe. I closed my eyes and focused all my energy on moving my toes, and eventually I got out of the sleep paralysis. Relieved to be awake and in control of my body, I jumped out of bed and turned the lamp on. I woke my sister up in my chaotic manner. She looked puzzled and frightened herself. I explained to her what had happened and that I had just experienced sleep paralysis. I told her everything that I felt and saw, and once I finished, her face became white and flushed. She told me that when I jumped out of bed, I woke her up out of a nightmare. There had been a tall shadow man terrorizing her in her dreams as well. We didn't think these were related, so we brushed it off as a coincidence, and with that, we comforted each other and decided not to wake our mom or stepdad up over sleep paralysis and silly nightmares. But, still frightened about the whole ordeal, we decided to make a video, explaining what had happened while everything was still fresh in our memory. We were planning on showing the video to our mom in the morning. So I grabbed my phone and retold the camera the events and everything I felt, and included my sister's nightmare. In the video, my sister was behind me by a mirror. I just thought she was being quiet and respectful while I recorded, but I was wrong and oblivious. Once I was all done with my video, the both of us watched over the footage, in horror. About halfway through the video, my sister blankly stares at the camera and then twists her neck in an unnatural fashion. It very much looked like something out of a horror film, which we never watched. Then she looks at herself in the mirror and is puzzled at the sight of her reflection. She looks around the room confused and then continues to stare back at the camera. Her eyes widen like she's seeing something horrific. I still didn't notice, but began talking to her, and she snapped out of it. Once we watched the footage, we started screaming and crying. She told me that she didn't remember doing any of that, or even me recording a video. We ran out of the bedroom and hysterically woke up our parents. We begged them to watch the footage, but they were too groggy to give us any attention. 
So we went back in our room and discussed everything and tried our best to calm down. We believe that my sleep paralysis and her dream are related. Whatever was terrorizing us tried to infest, oppress, and possess us. Her being the weaker vessel made an easy target for this demon. I also read somewhere that mirrors are portals to other dimensions. Perhaps the demon took advantage of her being by the mirror and seized the opportunity to possess her. We will never know for sure. The spirit world is a mystery. And as for my stepdad, he shortly after tried to commit suicide in his closet. I believe that he was being oppressed by the demon. He is now out of our lives for good, and I'm glad to say that our family has been improving without him, and the atmosphere of our house is no longer gloomy and dismal. I haven't experienced sleep paralysis since this horrifying instance, and my sister still doesn't remember being possessed. I still keep the footage, and I watch it every once in a while. It spooks me just the same as it did the very first time that we watched it. Thanks for listening to our story. Yours, Angelina. As we come to the end of tonight's episode, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for tuning in and supporting the podcast. And a special thank you goes out to Annalisa, Jake, Heather, Caitlin, Mira, and Angelina for writing in and sharing their experience with all of us. If any of you have thoughts, advice, or a similar experience that you'd like to share with one of tonight's storytellers, you can email me and I'll be sure to forward your message onto them. If you've witnessed something unexplainable and you'd like to have your story shared on the podcast, please contact me at paranormalmysteriespodcast at gmail.com or visit paranormalmysteriespodcast.com and click on the Tell Your Story link. All of our contact information can be found in the show notes. From all of us here at the Paranormal Mysteries Podcast, thank you for listening, and please remember, don't wait for the unknown to come to you. Get out there and find it.